All right, in the name of Jesus, we have prayed. Amen. Everybody declare thanks in the name of Jesus. Name of Jesus. I am being filled with the knowledge of his will. Say so this evening, this evening. The, word the word is coming to me. It is entering my heart. This evening, light comes to me. I receive the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of understanding. Say this evening, I discover Christ more and more in the name of Jesus Christ. Now let's declare that's what we normally do want to let's go. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His Word. The Word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ, Amen. Amen. I said amen. amen. All right, let's open our Bibles quickly. We have been talking about the most important prayer, and I want us to continue from where we start. Psalm 119 is what we have been studying for some time. This is our school of prayer, and we're going to continue looking at Psalm 119 again today. I'm going to review briefly, but let's just read from 65, and then this time around we're going to 80. It's quite some read, and we'll do it the way we normally do it. I'll lead, then you back up with um, the, the evil number psalm. I use the odd number, you do the even number sound. All right. The Lord is good. All the time. Now you hear me repeating what you are reading. I'll read with you in the background just to, for the sake of our records. All right. Now, one, two. Uh, let, let, okay, I will start from 65. All right. I'm starting from 65. We are reading a very long portion, so please get ready. He said, You have dealt well with your servant. David was teaching us how to pray here. O Lord, according to your word. 66. Teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. David said, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good, and you do good. Teach me your status. Verse 69, the arrogant has forged a lie against me. With all my heart, I will observe your precepts. 17, your heart is covered with fat, but I will delight in law. I like New Living Translation there. It says, their hearts are dull and stupid, but I delight in your instructions. 71. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. 73, your hands made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. 74, may those who fear you see me and be glad, because I wait for your word. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are righteous. And that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. 76. Oh, may your loving kindness comfort me according to your word to your servant. May your compassion come to me that I may live. For your, for your law is my delight. 78. May the arrogant be ashamed. For they subvert me with a lie. But I shall meditate on your precepts. May those who fear you turn to me. Even those who know your testimonies. 80. May my heart be blameless in your statutes, so that I will not be ashamed. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Now, let's continue what we have been looking at, the most um, important prayer. I'd just like to say this again and again. There is a difference between the prayer of Gentiles 
and the prayer of Christians. When you hear the prayer of Gentiles, you will hear them focusing on themselves and on their needs. When you hear the prayer of Christians, you hear them focusing on the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's how you know this prayer is a prayer of Christians. And let me just say to us again, Christians often pray like Gentiles, all right? That's the problem. Sometimes people who claim to be believers, they end up praying like Gentiles. The Lord Jesus had to instruct the disciples, and he said to them, do not pray like the Gentiles pray. And it's unfortunate that these days we find a lot of us teachers of the word, preachers of the gospel, we teach people to pray like Gentiles pray. I haven't gone through the scriptures. I have found Psalm 119 to be um, about the most uh, balanced prayer that was left behind for Christians. You understand? It was a prophetic prayer. It was a prayer of the Lord Jesus. It was prophetic. It's a messianic psalm, actually. All these things are the words that the Lord Jesus spoke. They're not just words of David. David was a prophet. David was prophesying concerning the things of the Lord Jesus. I've said to us here again and again, never forget it. This Bible is not any other thing apart from the testimony of Jesus. It's about the testimony of Jesus. It's not, I said the other day, it's a place where you can get drowned because it contains a lot of things. It contains agricultural principles. It contains economic principles. It contains geography, the principle of geography, geology, medicine, physics. There's nothing you don't find here. Principles of um, everything. But you see, that's why people get, mis- uh, get, get confused. They, they drown in the midst of the multitude of information that's decodable from there. You understand? If you know how to read it, you can find virtually anything. Even how to rhyme your music, you find it inside there. Very, very important. But you have to be careful that you look away from those things, all right, and focus on the testimony of Jesus. If you hear God say, say in the beginning, um, as a creation, when he said, let there be light, don't think of any other thing apart from Christ. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Are you getting my point here? Anything. He said, he breathed into him the, light, the breath of life. Think about it. Christ is breathing into me the breath of life. After he rose up from the dead, he made disciples, and he said to them, receive Holy breath, receive the Holy Spirit. It breathed into the disciples also. Anytime you see your scriptures, look for the testimony of the Lord Jesus. So when you find this Psalm 119, it's a testimony of Jesus. It's not a testimony, it's not any other thing. It's a testimony of Jesus. Jesus said it himself. You said the scriptures thinking then you find eternal life. Yeah, but you don't come to me. He said the, te- the, the scriptures only testify of me. So that things about the Lord Jesus. So that's the prayer Jesus prayed. This was how he cleansed, he kept himself pure. Listen to me. Everything Jesus did to keep himself pure on the earth is available to you, available to me. You hear what I said? Everything the Lord Jesus did to keep himself pure on the earth is available to you, is available to me. He was not pure because he was the son of God. That's not what happened. Because otherwise, it, the Bible could not have said to us, he was tempted like we were also tempted, or we are also being tempted. What happened is that there are some strategies he used in relating with the Father. There was a way he inclined his ears to the instructions from the Father, and there were prayers he prayed. The Bible says he prayed with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from what? From death. And the wages of sin is what? Death. And it was heard in that he feared. So he said, just like that, let us also draw to the throne of grace and obtain mercy. Uh, you know, obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. What is the time of need? The time that we are tempted to disobey. It's not the time I need money. It's the time I'm being tempted to disobey. It's not the time, all right, that um, I need a wife, I need a husband, I need children. No, it's the time that I'm being tempted to disobey. Is a time when things look like pressure comes upon me that says, all right, disobey the word of God. That pressure comes. That's when I go to prayer. 
And that's what happened to the Lord Jesus. A time came in which he was supposed to go to the um, cross. And he said to himself, this is a very difficult one to do. So what did he go to do? He went to pray. He stayed in the garden until the boldness, the confidence to face that cross came upon him. That was the greatest trial of his life. And all of us face trials every day. I will continue to face trial again and again. And I'm saying to us again today, this is how you handle trials. This is how you handle temptations. It is by praying effective prayers. It is by uttering words that matter. You know, like I was saying earlier, unfortunately, a lot of times we are trained these days in Christianity to pray like Gentiles. We come to prayer, we are loaded with what shall we eat, what shall we drink? How shall we kill our enemies? That one is, in fact, that's the rainy one. How shall you kill your enemies? People want to talk about raising an altar. And the focus is altar versus altar. What are you versus in what? Why not altar raised to the Lord? What is altar versus altar? We are so focused on how to kill our enemies. But someone now, you see David say it again and again. That's, that's what we are doing. We are looking through the things that David focused on. David would say that enemies gathered against me. I decided to meditate on your word. The pressure of life comes upon me, but what do I do? I meditate on your word. That means when I get a quick notice, I'm being ejected from my house tomorrow. Instead of me going to lie down and say, God, how will you do me like this? After all, I saved you. After all, I did this for you. And what if he said? No. When pressure comes upon me like that, what do I do? I take my Bible, I start reading about the second coming of the Lord. Are <laughs> you getting my point? There's pressure upon me. I'm studying the second coming of the Lord. And I'm, I'm uttering to myself, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. You're getting what I'm saying? And that is what I call the most important prayer. For Christians to know that this is what you're supposed to be doing. And that's why we're going to it one by one. Looking at different things. And today we're continuing from that um, verse 60, uh, 65. Let me just review something I said last time. Because to me, it's such a beautiful one. Last time we took from 57 to 64. This Psalm 119 is in segments. Okay? Now, in that particular segment, I emphasize something that it began with one thing. David said, The Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your words. And then he said, That is a promise of the child of God. But life will now turn around and try to distract me. Life will come to try and separate me. Even though in verse 60, I hastened and did not delay. That's the desire of my heart. So you find in verse 61, the cause of the wicked have encircled me. I like the way um, New Living Translation puts that. It says, evil people try to drag me into sin, but I'm firmly anchored to your instructions. Trouble comes upon me. They put pressure on me to try and make me disobey the word of God. But my determination is that I will never do that. And I said last time, of course, the other things, he's also talking about midnight. He said, midnight will come. Verse 62, at midnight I shall arise to give thanks to you because of your righteous ordinances. That is, midnight there can be literal, can be figurative. When things are not working well, it's midnight. What do I do? I rise up at such times and I start meditating on your precepts. I start meditating, you know, I I give thanks to you because of your righteous ordinances. But I check my life. Last time I talked about fasting. I check my life. Fasting doesn't change God. It changes me. And it's not hunger that changes me. It's focus on the word of God. You're getting my point here. It's not hunger that changes me. It's that focus on God's word. So that I meditate. I check. Is my life conformed with the word of God? And if it is in that one, I find them 
confidence. In that one, I find I find um, comfort that um, the ordinances of old, my life is in accordance with those ordinances. My life is in accordance with the ordinances of God. So I meditate, all right? I check. I check my life periodically. Very important for us to understand. That's what Christians are supposed to do. And last time I ended by explaining that there are a number of principles by which one, David was explaining here, that one keeps himself pure. And if you find it throughout Psalm 119, it is dotted here and there. I get into a number of them. Number one, constant prayer, very important. Two, meditation. That is what I think about and mutter to myself. Very important. You know, <laughs> you know please go and listen to our series again, which, which we finished recently, The Power of Praise. When you are talking to, okay, let me just go through this and I'll get back to that. So meditation, what I think about and I mutter. I will talk about declarations, what I say boldly to people's hearing, what I declare boldly for people to hear. Then David now said, I keep the right company. That's 63. I'm a companion of those who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. They are my friends. Those who love the word, they are my friends. Those who fear God, they are my friends. That's how I keep myself pure. That's how one of the methods by which I keep myself in, in, on, in, on the path of righteousness. I keep company with those who fear God. If they don't regard God's words and they claim to be Christians, they're not my friends at all. Yes, that's what the Bible says. That is, if they claim to be Christians and they don't regard God's word, they can't be your friends. But if they are unbelievers, yes, they can be friends. <laughs> but not bosom friends. That's what Paul said. If they're an unbeliever, you can associate with him. Of course, you know what I'm saying. Not as if you are equally yoked. Not as if you are tightly bound together. But at least, oh, but if he's an, he claims to be a Christian, just misbehaving, just keep, if he greets you, wave to him from a distance. Some of the things you do to believers so that their heads will be correct. But if you want to live a righteous life, you keep company, close association with those who fear God. These are the principles. And last of all, all right? Thanksgiving. Constantly giving thanks. Constantly giving thanks, you know? You know, I always use contemporary things to talk. <laughs> you know what's happening in Houston right now? If you have friends in Houston, be praying. It's predicted to only get worse. What I'm talking about is that, listen, we're talking, I said, look, <laughs> a friend of, one of my classmates was saying something. I said, there's no safety anywhere. I'm talking about meditation. I'm talking about declarations. What you say to people. I keep on telling people, there's no safety anywhere. The mayor there is afraid that when this flood goes down, doesn't know how many bodies they will count. A single family, six people died in one family trying to escape the flood. One single family, six people drowned at the same time. I'm talking about declarations, what we talk about all the time. When I'm talking to your friends, don't tell them, look, run to this place, there's safety. Remind them, only in the Lord is safety. Safety is of the Lord. I'm talking about declarations. I'm talking, if you are doing things, you are getting a guard dog. First tell yourself, dog, you are not my guard. Bingo, you hear? You yourself need protection. <laughs> you are building a fence, you speak to the fence. This fence, you are not the protection. You have barbed wire, look at the barbed wire. You know you are just a wire. Human beings built you, human beings can spoil you. That, I'm talking about declarations and meditations. You dot those things into your talk all the time. Please, that's why I said, you listen to the series, The Power of Praise. Praise is not just when we lift our hands to sing. Lifting our hands to sing is the overflow of the praise that is in the heart. Praise is when we ascribe to God the glory due to his name. What is happening in the U.S. right now has shown us that there's no, 
There's no safety anywhere. Is this in Europe that there's safety? Europe is even terrible now. You are walking on the road. That guy beside you just wake up, start stabbing people. And they start to kill. He will have killed like six, seven people before the police will finally shoot him. He's a suicide guy. Don't worry. The gunshot is not his problem. Somebody's driving on the road in Wakafo Road for where? Make sure there's concrete. When you're walking in Europe now, make sure there's always concrete between you and the cars passing. Because one guy can just face the direction and say, I just drive into people. Where is safety? But we understand that safety is of the Lord. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. We, we trust in the name of our God. I'm talking about meditation. These are the things we do so that we can keep ourselves in the center of obedience to the word of God. Maybe this is I'm enjoying myself. Praying is sweet. Praying was hard those days because we thought that you needed to know, know, know how to conjure words to impress God. You speak the kind of English that God will collect his dictionary. No, we had that impression. I now found out that, listen, prayer is not like that too. When the Bible says, when we're talking about building yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit, praying the Holy Ghost, when the Bible talks about praying in Spirit, even Ken Hagin said it, that he used to teach that praying in the Spirit just means praying in other tongues. He said, now he realized it's not exactly like that. That's Ken Hagin in his later days. That's just one of it. Don't pray your own words. Pray the words that the Lord has released. Don't pray according to your own thinking. The other day, my wife and I now were praying. There was a prayer I, I did and sent to our brethren. By the time we were done praying, it was so sweet, we didn't want to stop. And this is prayer that we sent to hundreds of people to pray. But we wrote them out. Just taking scriptures. And what would you do? Would you do what did I just do? I just arranged scriptures so you can read them out and chant them. Just reading them out and chanting them. What we are doing in this here is teaching those scriptures so that when you are reading them, it's not just I do words to you. It's not just a chant that has no meaning. It's something that you know when you are opening your mouth to speak. For example, he said, you have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. You are not saying it and you are imagining something else. As you are saying it, you are thinking, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. As you are saying that you are giving God thanks. You have, healed, you have forgiven my sins. You have healed my diseases. You have filled my mouth with good things. My youth is renewed like an eagle's. You are saying that, and that's Psalm 65. You say, you have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Now, it said, teach me good discernment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Very important. You know, there's something I said earlier. It, this, when, we are looking, when we are speaking God's word, we are speaking by faith. You are getting my point? Not how you feel. Now, you see something here. In this segment here, David focuses on something. The previous segment, we showed how he was handling distractions. In this segment, David was focusing on affliction. And this is the point. In this segment, David was focusing on what? On what? Affliction. A man focusing on affliction said, you have dealt well with your servant. You see as we go on, because the very next line, it says, before I was afflicted, I went astray. So, in his affliction, concerning his affliction, he said, you have dealt well with your servant. 
Now, what is the key? How can a man look at affliction and say, Lord, you have dealt well with your servant? Like New Living Translation says, you have done many good things for me, just as you promised. How can a man in affliction say that? It's simple. Verse 66. He said, teach me good discernment and knowledge. That is, it's only good discernment that will let you look at affliction and say, God has dealt well with me. I don't know what I'm getting my point here. And he began to explain it. Why would you say it was good? Verse 67. Why would you say my affliction was good? He said, because before I was afflicted, I went astray. Now, that affliction has caused me to do what? To obey your word. For that reason, he says, Lord, you have dealt well with your servant. One day, thief broke into a car. Collected all, my, collected all my earthly belongings. There wasn't so many. That's why they could enter a bag. <laughs> they took my bag. And the first picture that came to my mind is, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. Later on, Bishop Oedipo used to teach us that you are saving to buy a car that can catch fire. I believed it because my bag had caught fire before, in quotes. A lot of the freedom I had in life those days, when my friends were doing three jobs, now I look back and I say, men, men love, they love suffering. No? Men love suffering. You do three jobs because you want to buy a car. Why don't you just trek? It's not the same thing. What I'm trying to say is that you suffer so you will not suffer. And when you weigh the suffering, it's not better than the suffering you will have suffered. I don't know whether you're getting my point. <laughs> if I suffered 10,000 units to save myself, 200,000 suffering. Are you getting my point? It is good. When I suffer 10,000 units to save myself 9,500 units of suffering, is that not bad, bad mathematics? That's bad accounts. Is that not so? You work three jobs for one and a half years to buy a car that a thief can collect in one month. No, I'm even assuming they allow you to drive it for one month. Though. No, no, to steal it is five minutes now. Boom, now you go wrong. No, be the thief. Eh? <laughs> I'm not even talking about a thief that wants to be fiddling with your luck. The one that just said, stop. Before he fires one shot, you have this. In fact, you will give him testimony, praise the Lord, I'm still alive. <laughs> those days, that was, that, is, that was my problem those days. Some people say, I want to do that. I say, I can't do it because. Look, I used to tell myself, I said, the day a thief collects his car, the day he catches fire, the day he has an accident, the day anything terrible happens to it, I won't be thinking about, about the car. I'll be thinking about 18 months, 24 months of suffering. I said, leave it. It's not yet his time. That was my attitude. Believe me, it took a bit of affliction to get to drum, drum that point in. And let me say something to you. There is no affliction that comes upon a believer that does not have a lesson in it. You can convert what looks like temporal loss to an eternal gain by drawing a spiritual lesson. I don't know where I get my point. What should have been lost, you can convert it to gain just by drawing a spiritual lesson of development from it. If you allow God to teach you something strong from inside that place, what, because, you see, I've said it before here many times. What God calls valuable is not what human beings call valuable. Spiritual lessons to the Lord, they are much more important than temporal blessings. 
That's what I said the other time. He can collect a company worth hundreds of millions of naira from somebody, ruin it. Say why? I want to teach him. I want to teach her that only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. That lesson to you, that company was worth 200 million naira. The Lord said that lesson does not have, is invaluable, it's priceless. That's the reason why a man like David can look and say, you have dealt well with your servant according to your word. It's not my experience. It's what his word says. You are getting my point? But people who don't have good discernment and knowledge, that's the point here. Teach me good discernment and knowledge. For I believe in your commandments. I believe in your work. If I have discernment, if I have good understanding, I'll be able to say these things with confidence. I'll be able to say all things work together for good to them that, loves God, that love God. I'll be able to say with confidence that everything is working together for my good. So he said, before I was afflicted, that's the good in it, I went astray. But now I keep your word. He said, you are good and do good. Please, it's important for us to see to understand. David was talking about affliction in this segment. He, an afflicted man is saying, God, you are good and you do good. <laughs> you can only say that because of what? Understanding. Discernment. He said, you are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. Please, let me say this again. You know, our topic for this series is what? The most important prayer. For a man who is afflicted, his prayer is not, Lord, this affliction is too much. This affliction is too much. It has to come to an end now, 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 now. The man knelt there and said, Lord, you are good. You do good. Teach me your statutes. Don't let me be afflicted for nothing. Are you getting my point? Don't let this affliction end. And I cannot say where to. You know, one day, you know, there was some pastor Chris ever had um, an accident. I told you guys that time. Very terrible. In fact, he missed his program in Enugu year because of that. It wasn't a small thing. He, he, by the time the accident finished, <laughs> he was upside down. Or still inside the car, upside down, on the third mainland bridge. He said to me, he said, he said, Monkey, <laughs> that the driver only had a scratch. Insurance paid for the car. I was the only one that saw. <laughs> he was heading for the airport, third mainland bridge. What happened? The driver does not know. All they knew that the car began to summer sugar, summer pepper, and summer salt. Then by the time the car ended, they were sitting on the top of Milan Bridge. Thank God they were not inside the water. Yeah, it was on the bridge. He said, as soon as it, <laughs> the whole thing stopped, he said, he said, Lord, you got my attention. What's the problem? As I said, I looked at the driver only had one small scratch. And the insurance paid him for his car that was ruined. So all the affliction was on him. He said something to me later. Because I used to call once in a while. I said, how are you doing, sir? He said, I've learned more about God in the last one month than all my life before now. It's good to talk to people who know the Lord. So I was there, all my enemies, they went from my village, they were blue, not the color of this. <laughs> I flew and I jammed them. <laughs> he said, I've learned more about God in this last one month than before, that is before that point all my life. That's why men said, before I was afflicted, 
I went astray. Say, Lord, teach me your statutes. Don't let me go through affliction. You understand? And I come out of it. I can't say I've learned more about the Lord. That's a wasted season. So instead of waiting for when will this season be over, let's focus on what am I learning. That, that's the most important prayer of Christians. So. Not gathering all night. That this year, nobody who comes for this meeting, by the time it's morning, all of us will have our own cars. By the time it's morning, all of us will have our own husbands. By the time it's morning, we all have our own wives. In fact, within six weeks of completion, there will be nobody that would not have laid foundation. That's a prayer meeting of Gentiles. Gentiles have gathered to pray. <laughs> it's true. But how do we as Christians pray? No. Say, Lord, you are good. Even in the midst of my affliction. And you do good. Teach me your statutes. Say, the arrogant, has, the arrogant have forged a lie against me. With all my lawyers, I will defend myself. The arrogant have forged a lie against me. With all my prayer warriors, I will jam them. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say I will defend myself. That's verse 69. He said, with all my heart, I will obey your precepts. That is, whatever they are saying, that's not my primary concern. Sometimes I see men of God. You know, many years ago, I read a little book by A.W. Tozer. He called it Seven Keys to Spiritual Power. I can't remember all of them. But one of the ones I remember there is, the man said, never defend yourself. Tozer said the key to spiritual power, don't defend yourself. Sometimes I see men of God doing image laundry. That's one area where, follow Bishop Oedipo, I love him in that area. He doesn't care what you think about him. He doesn't care. He said, we have no apologies to any devil. That's his response. <laughs> so we don't have any apologies to any devil. You will never see him in the newspaper and trying to defend himself. One day I saw one of our big men in Nigeria. You know, you'll be breaking the word of God because you want to impress people. Because yeah. they are abusing us. You know, we are buying private jets. We are driving expensive cars. We are, live, we are building universities. We are living in mansions. They will now start doing like other people. We will now go and carry a camera and be handing out bags of rice. Handing out motorcycles. Kekena peps. Grinding machine. Rolls of cloth. Sewing machine. Thank you very much. The camera will be filming us like Pharisees. <laughs> Why? We want to show to the world we have a corporate social responsibility mindset. Yeah. Why? Because people are abusing us. Abuse me all, all, you, all, you, all you want. David said, when you are abusing me, I'll go and carry my Bible and read it. I mean, they lie. I mean, that's what they do. They want to, every time. I, I, I like Bishop Udipo for that thing, though. And the truth is that people are talking a lot, and just by the way, Christians understand. Be very careful when you are criticizing things you don't know. I remember then, the first time Bishop Wedeko bought a, a private jet. Now, please, I'm not here defending private jet, but what, let me just tell you, you just keep quiet, you don't know anything. Are you getting my point? One guy was my colleague that time, we were in the same office. People were arguing, how can he? He doesn't have a right. Who go? So I asked somebody. This guy was a senior naval officer. 
So I said, look, can you clearly give me a small breakdown of what this man does from Monday to Saturday? He looked at me. I said, yes, you just told me he doesn't need a private jet. He said, can you clearly give me what he does from Monday to Saturday? That's apart from Sunday that we assume he's in church. He said, I don't know. I said, in that case, you cannot judge what he needs and what he does not need. A man of honor. He said, I think you are right. Should he buy the jet? It's simple. None of my business. None of my business. It doesn't concern me. He has not collected you No, know, one day, one lady in my department that time, a Muslim, she and I were joking about something. She said, hey, sit down there. Your bishop has used your money to buy a plane for himself. And I said, how does it concern you? You said my money. <laughs> have I come to you to complain? Why are you swallowing Panadol when I'm the one that has the headache? My head is aching me. You are there, taking Panadol, Ibuprofen, everything. He said, why are you swallowing headache? Pastor Banky has a, a, Why are you swallowing a, a ta- tablet? Pastor Banky is sick. So I told the lady that they said, well, how is your problem? My bishop used my money to bribe every jet, and you want to die because of it. Like I said, that's not, it's not, um, it's not your business, all right? But what I want just by the way, okay? They tell that the, the private universities, the missions are running, they are so expensive, even the congregation cannot pay for it. And I always laugh. I said, next time you and your friends buy, buy build a filling station, drive in there and collect fuel and not pay. Just, just, just for your information. One day somebody, hey, I'll, I'll leave this in two minutes, all right? One day somebody settled, settled down and finished abusing the university, that covenant. Say, oh, we are just wasting, people can't pay, that he likes the Catholics, that his son going to a Catholic um, secondary school. And I was surprised that everything was 110,000 naira for the term. Then somebody pointed out to him that, but in heritage, that is, um, what number of winners? Yeah, in Kingdom Heritage School, the one is 105. We found it was 5,000 cheaper. Now, how dare you compare universities to secondary schools? Believe me, I work in a university. The difference is as wide as light and day. I did analysis for my brethren that time we were discussing it in a group. I said, guys, there are three of us here who are inside this thing. One of them, a professor of law in America. And that one, the chief accountant in a private university. And me, in Enugu here. And all of us said the same thing. That you guys keep quiet. You don't know what you're talking about. We walk in this place. And believe me, those schools are heavily subsidized by those offerings you're talking about. Whether for those free offerings brethren give, who will pay? They collect, they collect 500,000 naira for you to be in covenant for one whole year. You think you're paying money. You don't know what universities cost. That's why you're talking that rubbish. I did analysis for some people. All right? That to run a medical school, to pay their staff alone. No, listen. This does not include hall, um, library, non-academic staff. Just to pay university lecturers. Every medical student will pay 100,000 naira a month. You know what I said? A hundred thousand naira. How often? One point two million. That will not pay your bosser. Do not pay the gatesman. Don't clear the grass. If there's flood like the one in Houston, it will not drain the water. The ones your lecturers to collect. Say this is my salary for the month for teaching you. It comes to a hundred thousand naira a month for each medical student. That's one point two million a year. So when you now add other things to it. You know, a school that charges, college, a college of men that charges $2 million per annum is not expensive. That is just the cost. 
I'm digressing. I just like to educate people. So why are they charging what they are charging? Like you said, because of the offerings they get. That's how come only ninety <laughs> percent of private schools who starts them, those who can collect offering. If you can't, those who are not collecting offering, go and check how much they are charging. Why am I talking about this? Just trying to educate people. So what you don't know, what do you do? Just shut up. Just shut up. Just shut up. Don't say anything. Otherwise, God will put you in a place where the whole world will be abusing you too. But that's, like, that's not part of the message. The message is that everybody gathers, and I love you, they about that one. He doesn't care. He say, hey, he bought a private jet, he buys a second one. <laughs> when you make more noise, he buys a third one. Then you get tired of noise making. And God is looking at you, say, if you talk again, I collect your car. What you don't realize is that your car is somebody else's private jet. Yes. To you, it's not a big deal, just 2.5 million naira. Go to the market. For a whole bag, some bo- people that rush up and down, selling pure water, somebody did the calculation. After running up and down, running up and down, they make like 40 naira an hour. Then you open your hands and pay 2.5 million for a car. You're a wicked soul. <laughs> but you don't think like that, why? It's your level. So leave that side. What did I talk? Leave that side. Say, Pastor Mark, I'm trying to buy a private jet. What am I flying to? <laughs> and now David was saying, look. Uh, which verse? 70? All right, 69. He said, the arrogant have formed a lie against me. People are there criticizing me. But how do I respond? With all my heart, I will observe your precepts. I will check to be sure that in the midst of what they are saying, I'm not breaking your laws. Their heart is covered with fat. That is, their hearts are dull and stupid. But I delight in your instructions. Remember, this segment is what? Affliction. It's on afflictions. He said, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. You get the point here? So that if it requires affliction to be able to understand it, I will, I will rejoice in that affliction. Because the product of the affliction is worth more than thousands of gold and silver pieces. I hope you're getting the point here. That is the primary thing in the life of a Christian. The next segment, David begins to talk. All right? Now, listen. In that segment, he talked about affliction. We are learning to pray. When we are praying, we take those words and read them out. You want to pray in the morning, you can just decide to take a segment. Say, okay, I'm in 65 to 72 this morning. You read that again and again. Before we go to the next segment, which we we'll, we'll end with today. The other day, we said it here. I think it was Israel, me, and Okemote that were talking. And we said the word is working. People just don't realize it. What by the word is working? The primary work of the word is not to give you money. The primary work of the word is not to establish you, give you a big house, give you a big business, a big job. The primary work of the word is to establish Christ-likeness in you. And that word is actually working. A lot of us don't realize it. We're not giving thanks for the things that are most important. Like you're saying that you came with it, that listen, you hear people talk and you ask yourself, why don't I talk like this? It says, because the word is working. Why don't, they, why, don't, why don't I fear what people fear? It is because what? The word is working. Why is it that People say, hey, I must have my children abroad. I must do all And personally, it has never made any meaning to me. Never. 
I wouldn't pay if he said, okay, just give us 50,000 naira, which is not more than I would have paid for normal delivery in Enugu here. That's 50,000 naira to cover flight tickets, hospital bills, and everything. My wife goes to the U.S., deliver, and come back. I wouldn't give it to you. Pastor Banker, are you sure? Of course. Of course I'm certain. When my wife was going to deliver the first time, it was offered to her free of charge. And she asked her mother simply, how long will I be away before my husband sees his child? So maybe about four weeks, or is it eight weeks, he said. And he said, eh? Eight weeks? She just hissed the thing away. And her mother said to her, you people are very strange people. You and your husband. Now, why would she think like that? I'll be honest with you. Because the world is working. That's why I reason like that. It doesn't mean anything to me. Zero, zap, nothing. Before I used to argue with people, but I realized that why are you arguing with Banky? You don't realize the world is working on you. They are not paying attention to the same word, and you don't have them to have their own worries. What's wrong with you? 